Welcome to this episode of Stand Out, the podcast to better your business, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Listen in, and you'll walk away with insights from exemplary members who share their business acumen and the newest ideas from authors and thought leaders relevant to the organizing and productivity industry. And now, here's your host, longtime NAPO member, Claire Kumar. Hello and welcome to another episode of NAPO's podcast, Standout. I'm productivity catalyst Claire Kumar and so happy to be here with you today. Thanks for joining. Today we're going to explore a journey that a lot of people in our industry take. So it's a journey that I've experienced myself and I have a special guest here, a longtime NAPO member who has experienced a similar journey. And I thought it would be interesting to dive into this topic because it might be relevant to you. So you know this podcast is all about bettering your organizing and productivity business. But what happens when you want to move from an organizing to a productivity business or figure out some integration of the two? So I have a fabulous organizer, productivity expert, longtime member of NAPO since 2003, Debbie Rosemont joining me. And I first, before I bring Debbie into this conversation, if you're watching on YouTube, you know you can see Debbie's gorgeous face and smile right now and she's waving at you. I wanted to share a little bit about Debbie's background. So you come to meet her a little bit and then you'll understand why she's here talking about this. So she started Simply Placed, that's the name of her company, and joined NAPO all at the same time, as many of you do. She joined, as I said, in 2003. She's been a consultant, a speaker, a trainer, interviewed in media numerous times, written books, contributed to another book, edited another book. She's she's been a thought leader in the space for sure. But one of the things I wanna really highlight about Debbie and her relationship to NAPO is she's been continually in involved in giving back. So she's, of course, a member of Golden Circle. She's a CPO. She was a founding member of the Washington chapter, former treasurer, former secretary of the Seattle chapter of NAPO. She's attended conference for 15 years. 15 years, that's commitment. She served on the Ask an Organizer panel. She's spoken twice as a presenter. She has been an instructor for NAPO education, a robust suite of learning opportunities that you might wanna check out. And she teaches running a successful business with employees course. So she's also been the BCPO Director of Professional Practices and served on the NAPO Nomination and Leadership Development Committee, both for three years. So I just wanted to celebrate you, Debbie, and not only all that you've accomplished, but the amount of and rich contributions that you've made to NAPO. And I want to give you the warmest welcome today. Thank you so much, Claire. I appreciate that. I have found a lot of value in my NAPO membership over the years. And so finding ways to give back and be involved. I believe, you know, you get out of something what you put into it. So that's part of that as well. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. So thank you for taking the time to share with us some more of your expertise and insights today. I'm really interested in your journey from starting Simply Placed and working to a large degree in people's homes and getting that physical place organized to now, I believe you're working more in the productivity space, although you have a team. So first of all, maybe a great place to start is to just clarify for our listeners 
what your business is like now. Tell us the shape of it as it is now, and maybe a little bit of your journey of, of how you narrowed your focus to have Simply Place emerge as it is today. Sure. You know, I'm going to start a little bit more at the beginning because I think that journey is going to help people understand where I'm at now. When I started the business in 2003, I started it partly, I say, selfishly to kind of design a life that worked for what I wanted. So I left corporate America. I left a full-time job and career in human resources. I worked for a large financial institution for about 10 years in human resources. And I left that because I had two very young kids and I wanted to have flexibility in my life to be involved in their lives to the degree that I wanted. Ditto over here. Exactly the same. Yeah. But I love, you said design a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's been really a couple of times in my life that I have really taken a hard look at how to design a life for what I want. And that's now what I get to help clients with. So that was the first time in, in starting a business. It was a pretty drastic move to accomplish a goal of wanting to, you know, volunteer in the kids' classrooms and be at every baseball game and, you know, all, all the things. You wanted to have it all. I did. I wanted to have it all. <laughs> and in that means maybe having, it's not all of one and all of the other, it's having the right amounts of and making them exactly. successfully integrate, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so when I started my business, I started it part-time intentionally to young children and busy, busy life. And the part-time helping people organize in their homes was a perfect fit because I could go in for a few hours. I could go out and, and that worked really well. About four years into business, I felt a pull to go back to helping business clients. And so that's when I hired my first employee and started to build a team and added its height. I had, you know, eight, nine employees that were all, you know, part of the business and being in people's homes and helping them stay organized so that I could work with our business clients. And again, tried to do it all. Fast forward to the pandemic and the need to take the business more virtual and that then fitting another pull I had to design a life where I could serve clients virtually through consulting and coaching and training, all able to do it, you know, via Zoom and focus on helping other people design the life and the work and reach goals that were important to them. And that made me really focus exclusively on the productivity side, the time management side, the reaching goals side. Because of the pandemic, I had some natural attrition and this happened before the pandemic as well, where my team started to get smaller and I decided not to replace each employee as they moved on to something else. I was very grateful not to have to lay anybody off, but I had some employees choose to take some employment outside of Simply Placed and it really all just was very meant to be. So now, very small team. So I do still have myself and a couple of employees on payroll, and they work pretty part-time for a way that fits within their life and still serves some client needs. And then I have some subcontractors and I refer some business out. 
Love it. I just love this recurring theme of designing and redesigning and realizing there's an expertise in that, in that philosophy and approach and helping your clients to do that too. So thank you so much for sharing that journey. So a successful business, as I look at it, can look very different and it's partly potentially financial success, but it's also how well it integrates into the life that you want to have. That's absolutely true. And I think I've come to redefine success for myself, you know, many times over the years. And at one point it was growing a large business and having a large revenue, but that also came at an expense. When you are shooting for large revenue, you have greater expenses, you have more responsibility there. It's more complex. And you know, again, designing the life. I just returned from spending six weeks living and working in Spain. That is the lifestyle I want to be able to do my work from wherever and have that work-life integration and play and relax and explore. You know, to me, that involved dialing back on the business and again, redefining success, not as, you know, revenue in the seven figures, but I was good with profit of X to meet my needs and goals and being able to travel and, and do these other things. I adore it. So six weeks in Spain, living and working. So not only, you know, sculpting this life, but really almost serving as a role model to clients too. And perhaps you out there listening about what can be achieved. I was just actually coaching a client just before our call. And I said, you know what, you really need to define what enough is. Once you define what enough is in all of these areas, all of a sudden you can let go, you can park that FOMO and you can be really into the joy of missing out and you can really then celebrate. So you said you still have a couple of employees part-time, you subcontract, you refer and curious if, because one of the things I've tried to do continuously, and I said this on another call with some other speakers this morning, is that the goal in life for me is to continually have more impact, solve bigger problems, and charge more and work less. That's sort of the nirvana is right to be really valued for the greater impact that you're making. And that's been the journey. And it sounds like that's been the arc of what you've been doing too. Yeah, I think about the word impact and I, I want to have impact. And I feel like when I work with clients to help them reach their goals, to have time to spend on what matters to them, I am then helping them have impact as well. So it's this ripple effect, right? I mean, I, I felt that way with physical organization too, in that, you know, when you can help somebody create a space where they can find what they need when they need it and they save time, then they, you know, still result in, in having time for what matters and having a less stressed, you know, greater impact life. So it can come into play whether somebody's physically organizing with clients, whether, you know, you're working with them on time management, energy management, attention management, all pieces of what we do when we do productivity work. But yeah, I want to continue to have impacts and I think about, you know, is it important to work with hundreds of clients to do that? Or could I have impact, great impact on a select few? And, you know, same with the charging and the way that I generate revenue, you know, I could have a number of clients at one price point, or I could offer something of value, a higher ticket 
offer, if you will, and serve fewer clients, but still have great impacts and find that to me as a way to, you know, also meet the things I want to do outside of work. Yeah, that's wonderfully explained about sort of the meaningful, this comes maybe to the question of what do you define as fulfillment in your work and what motivates you then to direct the business from that perspective? I think for me, there have been a couple of times where I really had to look at, I mentioned kind of the expense of or the cost of growth or the cost of one definition of success. And I felt part of that cost was on health and wellness, both physical and mental wellness for me, on happiness. And so to to have fulfillment to me also means feeling the best that I can. It means feeling happy, satisfied, well, optimized. And I realized that pushing hard all the time or that hustle all the time wasn't a recipe for me to feeling fulfilled. You know, I could, I could generate more revenue, more income, maybe serve more people, but that wasn't the answer. But we live in a culture, it seems, and it feels, and I know my family members are experiencing this too, that more is better. More is better, faster is better. This hustle culture is kind of embraced. And to be able to say, I know what enough is and slow down is, was there any conflict for you ever? Was there any difficulty in coming to that? Because I know what I experienced some. I'm just curious what your journey was. I think the conflict came a bit from childhood messages I had in my head of be productive, be busy, accomplish a lot, you know, be the best you can be. And nobody was putting any external pressure on me. I mean, certainly not really as a child or as an adult, but these were just messages. And I saw I had, you know, very hardworking parents and drive, you know, just being driven to succeed. So maybe that's something that's going on for a lot of people as they hear this as a message. And then when we really come to investigate what that means for us, we can be driven, you know, by different things and it doesn't always have to be a push. (laughs) And I think that that, you know, finding more ease, more flow, more joy, again, it's what I love to do with my clients. And it's something that I've really investigated for myself over the years. I just turned somebody's language from pushing for something to inviting. And I thought there's a totally different energy around pushing and hustling and striving. And what about inviting and making space for and making sure you're ready for, you know? I also, I love the word choose, you know, I'm choosing to do this. And and then you can really check in with yourself and saying, is that an intentional choice? Is it a conscious choice? And you have options. That's exactly true. You always have options. I talk sometimes about inviting you to be the CFO in your life the chief fulfillment officer. That's right. right? So yeah, so you've stepped into that role and you're helping others do that now. Was it difficult at all for you to let go of parts of the business or to deal with that shrinkage or were you totally cool with it? I know when I shut down streamlife.ca, which was my organizing site, because I'm firmly focused on productivity, coaching and speaking and so on. It might have to do more with hoarding information or something. I don't know what it is or like holding on to things and not wanting to let things go. It was hard for me to make that decision to say, I'm going to shut that down because that's not what I want to attract more of in this moment. 
I think it's just the the idea, and this is a concept, again, I, I bet you work with clients on and I do as well. When we say yes to something, we are inevitably saying no to something else. So if you were to have said yes to continuing to serve residential clients, you wouldn't have opened up the time, energy, and space to do what you loved. And and what I've come to love doing, the productivity, consulting, coaching, and, and some training only happens as I focus on that and create space by letting go of other things. Now, the things that were difficult for me were making a change with my team because I had team members that I wanted to continue to give hours to that wanted hours and and they were suited. They were suited and and didn't necessarily want to serve business clients. So so that was part of it is kind of a loyalty to to employees or team members. It's like you feel a responsibility to care. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then the other was to long-term clients. So again, started the business in 2003. I've had some residential clients with Simply Placed for a long time. So that meant ensuring that they were taken care of, whether that was internally and, and still, and that's part of why I maintain you know a couple of employees that work very part-time. It's really for those past clients that continue to have occasional needs and want to work with us. And then also feeling like I had resources and I chose NAPO resources to refer clients out to and prospective clients out to so that I knew that they were well cared for and that they would be in good hands. So I think those were the two things that were the hardest were, you know, the team making change there. And like I I said, you know, I kind of took advantage of some natural attrition to be a sign that, okay, I've got so-and-so moving on to something else. Now is not the time to hire and train and put my energy in replacing and, you know, bringing on other residential organizers. In part, I just didn't have the energy for that. I knew if I took that it had to come from something that I, you know, wanted more of. So brilliant, brilliant. It's interesting because in the past month or so, I think I've had people reach out to me for organizing help. And so I've subcontracted some work to trusted partners that I work with. But yeah, I've made that decision. No, that's not what I'm going to do because my mental energy needs to go. But I was challenged by somebody close to me. Well, why don't you go and do that work? Why don't you go? That's a pretty good day's work. Like, It is, but my focus is here and I have to preserve my focus on this. Otherwise, it could be eroded again. And that's not the life that I want, not only for the mental energy and the impact decisions, but also, like you said, the physical demands. Like I'm in in Toronto, it's a big city, 45 minutes each way to a client, often minimum. That's a long day. And it's an interesting to note, as I see in the organizing profession, as people age, Nothing ageist here, but a lot of people do choose to have a bit of a different mix and maybe contribute differently. I just didn't want to drive across the city anymore and do that whole physical piece. And our physical abilities do shift sometimes. So there are lots of natural reasons you might be listening to this saying, oh, yeah, think fast forward 10 years. Do you see yourself doing the same thing in exactly the same way? Or do you want to think about how you might evolve it? And are there some lessons and some inspiration from what Debbie has shared that you might be, oh, I could do that. And to start thinking about how to embed it in. And and I loved the fact you were able to say to have attrition be part of the plan. That's a lot, it's a lot easier and flowy than having to make hard decisions, right? It did feel better than having to you know, do something different. 
So you mentioned referrals. So when a lead comes in, if you're able to handle it, you do. If not, you're referring and you're referring within NAPO qualified people, it sounded like. So tell me a little bit about what that is like and how you decide you know, who you're working with and, and will they take your methodologies or what does that look like practically? I reached out to, you know, one or two trusted colleagues that I have relationships with. So again, testament to NAPO for, you know, being a community and for providing resources and for, you know, when you join a chapter or belong to a chapter or even nationally, and there's a virtual chapter, you can build relationships that, you know, give you options, whether it's partnering in something, whether it's collaborating, whether it's asking questions or, you know, getting mentoring or help. Or in my case, you know, it was really, who do I know well that I would feel could serve these clients in a way that would make me feel good. So I had some some phone conversations and kind of said, hey, here's what I'm up to. And I, I want to learn more about your capacity and what this would look like for you and, and how we might make this smooth. So, you know, what, how would you like an email introduction? Would you, what, how, so we just, we talked through these things and I have some relationships now where I know I can just, you know, kind of pass the baton in a variety of ways that works. Well, and the interesting thing is there is a revenue opportunity in referrals sometimes as well. And that's a personal decision in your business, but it can be very much there's, you know, lucrative clients that you're inviting someone else to consider serving. And there can be some financial compensation happening for that as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What else do you want to share for someone who's thinking about this journey and perhaps doesn't know how to start embracing another avenue, another niche or another client group or making the shift. Is there anything you want to share around that? I would just ask people to think about, you know, what they like doing and how they might either build on that or in my case, shrink to that. (laughs) So, you know, defining what success looks like for you. For me, it was getting really clear and doing a a financial exercise where I said, all right, here's what I need to make. You know, would it be lovely to make a lot more? Sure, but not at the cost of, you know, stress, being not well, you know, not feeling good, not doing work I loved. So define what success looks like. So define what you need to generate and then think about the work that you love. And if you're thinking about changing directions, I mean, if you kind of think about my journey, I maintain doing something and let part of it go by hiring employees at the time, but still did some of it so that I could shift some of my attention here to the business client, to productivity consulting and and work and make sure that I liked it. And as I did and got more into that, I let more of the, the other stuff go. So is there a way to test the waters? Is there a way to have a gradual change if you don't want to just completely shut off? You know, for me, it was very much the bread and butter of the business and where the revenue was coming from. Could you find a way to, you know, whether it's referring out for a fee or working with employees or subcontractors to still generate some revenue that way to support your efforts in pursuing a different direction? So lots of ways to go. 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be today I'm doing this, tomorrow I'm doing that. There can be a natural progression and constant learning and exploration and checking in. Is this feeling right? What do I like about it? What do I not like about it? There's always tougher parts to a business of things that you don't particularly look forward to doing. I try to encourage finding joy in everything, but it's that refinement, like you said, you know, of really tuning into what's lighting you up and that I don't know. I think that translates into client attraction. When you're excited about what you're doing, you're not going to suffer burnout from not having enough challenge. And if you've been doing, maybe you've been doing some area of organizing a lot and you're not learning, there's an opportunity to figure out how do you keep your motivation and maybe exploring a different niche or a different client group or some different tools that you employ. There can be lots of different ways to explore. We've got such a wealth of expertise within NAPO from you know, people managing moves to ADHD coaches to Google Outlook experts to, you know, there's such, and it's all within this realm of organizing and productivity. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for joining us today. I'm going to say that as always, there's going to be a YouTube bonus clip and we're going to get into another interesting conversation with Debbie over on YouTube if you want to check that out. I want to encourage you to think about your journey and take some of these nuggets from Debbie and figure out if they apply to what you're going to explore. As always, I invite you to check out all the episodes at napopodcast.com and let us know what did you hear from Debbie today that really piqued your interest? What might you explore? Reach out to us on social media, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can, and let us know what hit home for you today. And until the next episode, please always be safe, stay kind, and enjoy your journey. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.